0: He scores! Gilmore scores! With one three left! Off the glass, in left corner to Aguila. Aguila in the left circle. Passing yell the shot, save made by Alaguila's rebound, another shot! A score! The
1: Blades win it! Yes! Yeah!
2: now on sportsnet 960 the fan here's pat steinberg and aaron vickers
1: all right let's get this hour going it is wednesday january 3rd and we are underway on this hour of flames talk with aaron vickers of nhl.com my name is pat steinberg hello
2: vicks hey buddy you staying warm today a little chilly on the way over i'm
1: doing all right yeah it's a little chilly good it feels like it's january first time it feels like it's winter yeah that's quite some time disappointing but still uh here we are on january 3rd we are uh in the pocket it's the month that the uh nhl's all-star break and uh, week off break gets going and uh, with the all-star game about a month away we find out the first 32 players going to the all-star game in toronto a little bit later on this week thursday evening we find out the first 32, one from each team. From there, 12 more will be named, which will be voted on by fans. So, if you want a second member of the Flames to go uh, represent them at the All-Star Game, it'll be by your vote. And that's when we see teams mobilize, and you know that's when uh, I'm sure an extra Oiler or two will go because they're a stuff very in the ballot box, very very engaged group of fans in that city. So. If Drysaddle isn't the uh, pick or Hyman isn't the pick, uh, do we see three from there? Probably not. They'll probably get a second one in there. So, Oof. do they go Drysaddle? Do they go Hyman? We know the one guy will be there because it is a league event, and that's maybe how we'll start off this hour. What about from a Flame standpoint? Who should their one All Star? Nominee b or one uh, all star representative b and I'm not saying there shouldn't be more, but we're going with the one to start with who should be the first flame going to the all star game who should be their um guaranteed representative and let's let's remember as we preface this that the team does not pick you and I do not pick this is a straight up league decision the n h l makes these decisions and uh a lot of times they're obvious like hey there are going to be some obvious choices i bet you nikita kucherov is going to go from the tampa bay lightning Safe i just fact. have got i just have got a pretty good idea that david pasternak is probably going to go from the boston bruins but you know sometimes when you are a less offensively potent team um then it becomes a, a little more difficult and and a little bit more of a guessing game as to which way the NHL is going to go so a lot of times maybe it would be a little bit different than what your first choice would be in a flame standpoint for instance this year because I love the idea of a first-time all-star going I think you've got two great opportunities to send a first-time all-star for the flames I think Blake Coleman and or Mackenzie Weger would be great first-time all-star reps uh, you got Blake Coleman who of the time when the announcement's going to be made, and the I, I believe that they the announcements have already been made internally. Um, I'm guessing is so because usually teams will roll out the interview with their player that they've done in advance. So I'm I'm guessing that it's already been done uh, and it's already been communicated. But I think Blake Coleman would be great. He is the team's leading scorer, and he is so far ahead on the team. and pl- Like, for a team that is is straddling uh, even on their goals for, goals against differential, what are the Flames at right now? They are at minus 11. Oh. So for a team that is minus 11 on their goal differential, for Blake Coleman to be plus 14 is bonkers, especially knowing the roles that he play the role that he plays, the competition he plays against, he's their leading scorer and their leading goal scorer. Like yeah, Blake Coleman would be an amazing choice. He's
2: twenty-eight goals to the good ahead of Jonathan Huberto, not to punish Jonathan Huberto. Huberto oh, minus easy. fourteen. Blake Coleman's plus fourteen. But as you mentioned, he leads the team in goals, leads the team in points has been, you can make a very strong argument that he has been your MVP to this point in the season. Now, this is where I'm going to get a little philosophical <laughs> on you, Patrick.
1: I, I didn't even finish my my oh. second. Okay, my Let, hit me on no, the second. Hit me on the Well, and, and it
2: might tie into your second player as well, but there's. I come from two schools of thought, generally speaking, on who should be a representative. Is it most deserving? Because you can certainly make a case for Blake Coleman, your number one, and certainly your number two pick here as well? Or do you go with... I didn't, the...
1: say, I didn't say number one or number two. These are my two. two picks.
2: Well, I identified Coleman as one because he was the one that has been announced. So do you go most deserving or do you go most entertaining? Because to be honest, at the end of the day, it's a mean-nothing skill showcase. Like, let's be honest. It's, it's for the fans, it's for the marketers, it's for the sponsors, so on and so forth. So do you give it to the guy that's just going to go ham on the skills front and try crazy moves and has a dynamic skill set? And that's not to say that Blake Coleman isn't skilled, but I would argue that he's probably not the most skilled on the team. And I'm sure he would be in line with that argument. Or do you give it to the guy who's most deserving overall? Now, hit me with your other case.
1: Well, the, the other case is Weger. He is one of the top goal-scoring defensemen in the NHL. He has been a minute hound for the team this year. He's been really, really good for them uh, at both ends of the ice. Uh, he's blocked a lot of shots. He is putting a tons of shot, ton of shots on net. He's got the eight goals. Only a few other defensemen in the NHL have more than eight goals this season. So, And and what I like about Blake Coleman and Mackenzie Weger are that they would both be first-time all-star right. uh, choices, which I think is awesome. But I guess just knowing the way the NHL goes about their business, it seems rather unlikely that's the way things go. Just knowing the way that the NHL typically makes these choices first-time guys that don't have what they would consider, quote-unquote, large names. I, I don't know if that's the way that I'm expecting it to go. I would be surprised if that's the way the NHL went. Pleasantly so, but I would be surprised. Typically, they lean towards familiarity, name value, and things like that, which I understand, they don't care about deservingness or <laughs> um or even entertainment value as much as they care about the big name Branding. to schmooze the clients who are going to be in Toronto. That's what the NHL is truly um looking for and they want eyeballs and the big names are going to bring eyeballs. So I I guess we'll see how it goes, but names like Nazem Kadri or Elias Lindholm or Jacob Markstrom are more likely to me in terms of which way the NHL ends up going. I just, as much as, I love the idea of a first-time All-Star. I think it's a great story in the market. And personally, I would bang the table all day long on either Weger or Coleman. I think they'd be A, would be great representatives. They would have smiles on their faces the entire time. They'd be all for the different events. They would be great Flames ambassadors. They're both guys who have committed here as members of the Flames long-term. Like, from an organizational standpoint, Coleman and Uyghur going, those would be absolute home runs. And they'd both be deserving based on the years they're having. I just feel like... um, Sometimes the NHL doesn't think the way that you think on the text line and uh, the way that you and I might be thinking. That's all I'm saying.
2: That's fair because I think Coleman (laughs) is number one on my ballot based on a few elements. Again, he leads the team with 14 goals, leads the team with 27 points. His plus 14 is far and away the best. And he leads the Flames in point share at 2.2, according to Hockey Reference. Now, those unfamiliar with point share, it's an estimate of points in the standings that player has contributed to based on offense. So offensive contribution only. So that doesn't even count Blake Coleman's defensive contributions to the team. He's still first. Again, there's an argument to be made. I think he, uh, Nazem Kadri, Mackenzie Wieger, and Jacob Markstrom can all be in sort of an MVP type conversation amongst who's the MVP through the first three calendar months of the season. And so he's number one on my ballot. Again, Mackenzie Weger is on my ballot as well. In that sense, I, I think my one, two, or if you don't want to number my two are the same as your two. Again, Nazem Kadri is on there, third on the team with 10 goals. Second on the team with 26 points, arguably the biggest name among flames in the Toronto market. I don't know necessarily league wide, but having played in Toronto it would be a bit of a homecoming for him you have that element and then yeah Jacob Markstrom who again he's in the 98th percentile in high danger save percentage it's gone up since the last time we talked fancy that but my question around surrounding Jacob Markstrom is is he going to be one of the top 8 goalies or so depending on Well what, and they how also
1: they, they they also I don't know how they're going to do it this year with the, because they're not doing the division not things. But I do wonder if they still make their choices regionally and that they don't want too many of one position from one division, so it's spread out. I, I guess we'll it's see. It's going to be a draft. It's going to be curious their, and interesting. But Is it? Like, am I going to watch? Probably The only thing I'm interested in is which players go once the actual puck drops on that weekend yeah, you're just a downer though no i'm not i'm i'm like uh, will you be dialed and watching the whole thing no so then you also are a downer i mean i'll i'll peek on
2: some clips on the uh skills competition and i'm sure there's going to be a little i'm doing air quotes for everybody else other than you because you're the only one that can see me about the drama surrounding the draft because i'm sure we'll have a little bit of fun there but no, I'm I won't not, be working, so I'm I, not going to be. I'm not going to be watching the games. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to. You might be sit. working.
1: You might have to. You might. You might need to break down the uh, no. You got to break no. down the the big goals and nope. you know the defensive systems, nope. penalty kills, nope. all that type of stuff.
2: They're penalty shots in the all star game, d- by the way.
1: I didn't know that. Actually, I can't. I, I'm not even sure it is. I would assume know that so, but I I have zero knowledge of what has ever happened in the last decade in an all star <laughs> game, like. Is it the last decade that didn't, wasn't there the one where somebody used Johnny Gaudreau as a stick? Didn't that happen? That was, was that, in the
2: skills. Was that, that Ovechkin who did that? I don't remember. They've also revamped the skills completely to the anyway, point where the winner gets a million a dollars. Hole. You're
1: going down a rabbit hole. I simply do not care about. Like, that is a rabbit hole that, like, send a drone down. I don't need to go down that rabbit hole. And, you know, send a satellite down there and report back. <laughs> There's no reporting. There won't, there won't need to be. I, uh, I guess we'll see how it goes. I'm just trying to uh, maybe temper expectations on the way this goes. Um, I, I am not expecting a Blake Coleman or Mackenzie Weger to get named. I, uh, we'll, we'll see. I think it would be a great pleasant surprise if on Thursday evening we're talking about that. It'll probably be at some point during our pregame show when it comes on for the Flames and and Predators game when we find out. I think it's happening in the first intermission of one of the uh, Eastern time early window starts. Um, But I I would be somewhat I, I would be somewhat surprised and again, I would give them a round of applause if the league thought. I think this would be if the, the the league went Coleman or if the league went Uyghur and gave a guy who's never been before that opportunity, I think it would be an example of the league thinking outside of the box. Unfortunately, the league typically doesn't think outside the box. So I would be more prepared for Markstrom for Lindholm or for Kadri as one of the guys going, I I, I don't think they're going to go Huberdo as large in name as he is. I, I don't think they're going to go down that road, but yeah, and, and that's not I'm not trying to take a shot at Jonathan who scored a great goal and his points in two straight games, scored a great goal against the wild that ended up being the game winner. He's actually looking much better. Um, but I don't I don't think they're gonna go down that road. Yeah, I we'll see. I will say this the two most deserving guys and the two best stories are Blake Coleman and Mackenzie Weegar. See, and
2: I would layer uh Jacob Markstrom again, not knowing the situation around the goalies, I would layer him. On top of that, as well, going from a Vesna finalist to an absolutely disastrous it's just hard year for me to bouncing to back—that
1: he's one of the eight best goalies in the NFL. and that's yeah, and that's that's sort of where—and I—and I've been a huge Markstrom yep. booster, but he's at a nine oh seven, and he's only been consistently above nine hundred for the last couple of weeks here. And I look—we're going to talk about Jacob here very shortly—but I think you'd be twisting yourselves in knots to say that's the way to go, and yet. He's a big name, so I think there's a chance he does end up getting the uh, the the nomination. I just uh, for myself, it would be tough to put him at the top just based on you know overall criteria that you know points yep. and stats and those types of things.
2: And I get that. And if you're only looking at the one team as opposed to the 32, I think he's a much stronger candidate to go. But you've got a factor yeah, if in they didn't do positional, right? Then it becomes the element of ooh, who who doesn't go so that Jacob Markstrom can go, and what's the argument for putting Markstrom on and not having that goalie on instead?
1: Uh, a few texts, 960, 960, on this one. Um, this says um, Markstrom. I, I think Markstrom would be a great ambassador as well. Like, I think you want guys who are team guys, team-first guys, who would go, and, and I just think about Blake Coleman or Mackenzie Weger and the smile that you couldn't wipe off their face if they were there um and i think that would just be unbelievable if you saw that um and i think they would be great ambassadors for the team they'd be great ambassadors for the market um the league would love working with them i just you couldn't go wrong they're two big personalities too that they're just not from a league's perspective the most market right. when they, when they were to look at the flames and say, okay, well, you know, that's Nazem Kadri He's a cup winner. That's Elias Lindholm. He scored 40. People still remember that line with Johnny and, and Kachuk Maybe we can have all three of them there. People look at Markstrom. He was a Vesna trophy runner up. Like that, that's the way the league's looking at it as opposed to what's the best story for Calgary's market, which is unfortunate because I think that's the way they should go about it.
2: Yeah. You're not going to get too many disagreements from me. I would just, I can just in my head picture some of the flames TV stuff that they would be able to do with a McKenzie Wieger or a Blake Coleman while they're there. Because again, those guys are two of the best speakers. They're two of the most honest players. And I think quite frankly, from a production value standpoint, you could have a lot of fun with them at their first all-star game. As you
1: mentioned, let's uh, hit the text line at nine sixty nine sixty on it. Um, I'd love to have All-Stars be nominated by the teams themselves, name three to four players, and then the NHL selects from those batches. Um, yeah, I think that'd be great as well, because I do think there should be, and I know the league would disagree with me, but I do think there should be the ability for a team to be like, well, we really want this guy marketed on a national stage, and we really think this guy is a great ambassador for us. And again... I I think the league disagrees. It's like, no, yeah. no, this is our market. But I, I agree with that. I mean, I think mean, some kind of, like, the team should have some say, but I can tell you that of these, uh, of all the 44 players that'll go, teams have zero say. 12 get voted in by fans and 32 get voted in by the league. I don't think it in would the be only.
2: too hard to include the teams in a collaboration on this. I mean, it can be as simple as sending in an email Filling out a form online, like it shouldn't be a stressful situation where no we we want to streamline this process, so we're not going to solicit thirty two emails or thirty two phone calls or what have you. I think having that suggestion of teams putting forth nominations and, and having then you choose teams from, from there that? Yeah. I think makes the most sense
1: uh this says from Ryan and Cochran hard to get behind Uyghur when he's twenty three and d scoring too many better d ahead of him. I think Kadri is your go to with his name recognition in Toronto very very well could be. my only argument for again I don't think that it's going to be him, but I think there's a good argument that it should be him. Um, and Only five defensemen have scored more goals exactly. than Exactly. That's the He's one of the top scoring defensemen from a goals standpoint.
2: And I guess the caveat on that is two of them are Thomas Harley of the Dallas Stars and Jake Wallman of the Detroit Red Wings. I don't know how much push they're getting in their individual markets for it, but just seeing Mackenzie Wieger up close, it's not just the goal totals. It's the full 200-foot game in there's a strong argument, again, between he, Erasmus Anderson, and Noah Hannafin, I think, you can make as being the best defenseman on the Flames this year.
1: Um, this says, yeah, let's just have a bunch of great stories and lesser-known players. That way, nobody outside of hardcore fans watches the big event that happens during a stoppage in the regular season. I The, the sarcasm is dripping from that uh, text, and I I get what you're saying. I believe that's Gary Bettman who wrote that Who wrote that text. I didn't know Gary Bettman in a 403 area code. Um, but that's very much the way the league is looking at it. We want the biggest stars here, so we'll bring in the biggest names, even if there are, quote-unquote, more deserving names that could be there. There's no doubt about it. It's a spectacle. I get, I get what the league is doing. I just, it's going, it always is going to piss off local markets because there are guys who are like, I want this guy going. Or I, and, yeah. So I guess I the the good stories this year probably aren't going to be the ones that are selected as much as I'd like to be surprised. Uh, this says, getting ready for Oiler fans to complain that not all their players go to the All-Star game and that every team gets one player to go. Uh, Uyghur all the way for me. That's from Ben in traffic, who, by the way, says the uh, new section of the ring road is awesome. Can't um, confirm. Uh, you can confirm as well. Yeah. I'd like to, I'm going to have to pop on and drive it. Um this from Derek says, wouldn't you want Hannafin for the Flames to increase his value? Um, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily would well, do that's, it, a good, that's a Well, that's a good argument for Lindholm, too. There you go. <laughs> increase that value. Get Tanev on that ballot. Uh, Chance in Strathmore says, I think Zary would be a great representative for the Flames. I, I do, too. Be a little bit harder just because he hasn't played the full season for you to, uh, to, to really push that one. But um, I, I think he would be a great representative as well. Um, Coleman and Duchess is pushing for Jack Campbell. Uh, that's mean. Uh, somebody suggests Chris Tanev. Um, this says, I hope it's not Kadri just for the Leafs aspect. Blake Goleman deserves it. Uh, Mick says, Marky's been the top player this year. Coleman's been the top forward. Send him uh darren from Mackenzie lake says Kadri, coleman Weger and markstrom are the only possible options and this says markstrom so there you go just uh a little bit of the response to who it might be when the flames get their all-star nomination announced again it'll be thursday evening we believe at some point when the first 32 come out i'm just bracing you it's Probably going to be a guy who has a bigger name. I'm just bracing you that my money would be on Markstrom or Codry or Lindholm as the the guy that ends up going. As much as uh, as much as I think Coleman and Weger would be the the best choices. And that's not to say that the three guys that seem to be more um, that seem to be more likely. Not saying they wouldn't be deserving. I think the best stories. Would, would be guys who've never gone before, that's all. No, you're not going to get too much and, and guys who are having those types of seasons.
2: Well, I certainly agree with you. It looks like much of the text line agrees with you, so it's just going to be a wait-and-see approach, I guess, when Thursday rolls around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rick in Lakeview says, I certainly agree with you, Pat, as to the therapeutic reward value for Coleman or Weger. However, the goals against stats regarding the Markstrom vote's a joke. Eye test, buddy, not stats, especially goaltender. I'm just saying that I, I'm a huge Markstrom backer. I've been pushing the eye test with him all year long. So, Rick, you're not really... Uh, Rick and Lakeview, you're not really... Um, you're kind of preaching to the choir. Yes. He just wouldn't be at the top of my ballot. He'd probably... If I if I had to pick five, he'd be on it, though. Um, so that's that's also something that I would push back with um this says i did i just drove the ring road from woodbine to bone S in 15 minutes that's actually quite impressive
2: Bet pack could do it in 10
1: i mean if i if i was driving home from penticton maybe and <laughs> i needed to make up uh or vancouver make, make up time because a certain section of highway one was going to be closed on our drive home maybe i would on a regular day probably not um and this says Pat should be in the All-Star game. Nope, probably nope. not. Nope. You would take
2: the fine and the suspension and whatever came with it. You've got other things to do that week or that weekend.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think so. Yeah. Coleman and Dutchess continues to to chirp and to uh, to troll. Uh, then what about Connor Brown, he suggests? Being Oof. very mean Oof. and you're, te- you're tempting fate as that team has passed the flames in the standings and is the hottest team in the NHL for the last two months. Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should stop chirping the Oilers. Maybe it might be a good idea to uh, maybe we should you know remember some of the remember some of the chirps that were coming out about the Oilers in October about you know how oh there's the team with so many first overall picks and here it's like okay text line maybe gear down a little bit yeah, we know this team's better than the way they're playing uh, maybe we should. Maybe we should
2: bite our tongues a little bit. That's all. The narrative heading into the Heritage Classic was either team was going to be afforded the opportunity to use that outdoor game as a springboard to get back on track for the regular season. One has probably accomplished that a little more satisfyingly than the other at this point.
1: That's probably true. Um, okay, speaking of Markstrom, let's uh, transition away from the straight-up all-star representative conversation to just for um. I think it's fair to say, welcome back. Jacob Markstrom has a few different meanings. So first of all, he was gone for two weeks with a broken finger. So welcome back. The Flames have been very happy to have him back. But, um, well, welcome back to elite Jacob Markstrom since he's been back from injury. This is the best stretch. The last six starts from Jacob Markstrom the best stretch that we have seen from him since the peak of his 21-22 season. I I will that that to me, and, and unless you disagree, no. like oh god, no. This is the best stretch we've seen from Jacob since, you know, midway through that year when he was at his very peak. And the six games that he's played, he's now won four of those six. So he's 4-2-0 in the six games that he's played since returning. He's got a 939 save percentage. I think the Extent to which he has helped the team win has even gone beyond that. Um, he was dynamite on Tuesday, despite not being the busier of the two goalies against Minnesota in the first 40 minutes of play. He was very good when called upon. And then in the third period, when he was really on call for those first 10 minutes, he was dialed. Like I, I remember watching that game and thinking to myself, you know, as much as Minnesota's pushing here. Without Kaprizov and without Zuccarello, I was like, Yeah, I the way Markstrom's playing right now, I do not think they're beating him. And I just you kind of have that feeling from him. And I, I remember thinking that in the early two or three minutes of the third period, like Minnesota's come out to play, but Jacob is dialed. He has that look of you're not getting another one past him. And the one that got past him in the second period, he almost like. He almost made save-of-the-season type stuff on. He did. It's just unfortunate that it was a three-on-one rush, and the third man was Maroon, who was there to get the rebound that was... I mean, go to the net, but that was a gift. Well, it was, but it was a gift off of a 10-bell, 15-bell save. Markstrom went across, robbed, what was it, uh, Patan? It was Rossi to Patan, and and then Maroon was the one to... Gobble tap, tap, up that it garbage. Um, but it was, it was only garbage because Markstrom made an incredible paddle cross-ice save or, or cross-crease save. He was that close to pitching a shutout last night. And the only reason he didn't get the shutout is because, like, if it went another half inch off of his the, the, the fat part of his stick, it's probably, like, on the boards. So he was unlucky not to get a shutout last night. And, and so, long story short. This is a really positive story for me. I like it when you have a guy who takes it in the teeth for X amount amount of time, right? And then changes that narrative. And Jacob Markstrom, at times, I think, over the top, took it in the teeth last year from this market. And he did not have a good year last year. But I think sometimes the criticism and the declarations of, he's washed, he's done, get rid of him, this is the worst signing ever, I think those things were so over the top last year. So as much as he deserved plenty of the criticism that was levied his way last year, it did get over over the top, I felt at times. And it's nice to see a guy swing the narrative the other way, which I think Markstrom's been doing all year long. And it's something that I remember when Matt Stagen was able to swing that narrative. Mm-hmm. Remember, Stagen was a whipping boy. I oh, was yeah. I was one of the most guilty for it early on in his time with the Flames. And he turned that narrative into being an absolute fan favorite a couple years in, uh, pretty much when a coaching change happened. They went from Brent Sutter to Bob Hartley. And, you know, the, the narrative really started to change on Matt Stajan. I think about Jonathan Huberdeau right now. I would love for us to be talking about a different narrative on Jonathan Huberdeau at some point in the future. I just, I like it when guys are able to turn something that is a real negative sticking point that guys like you and I are guilty of being a part of, and then they can turn that narrative by their play and on merit. And I think Markstrom's done that.
2: Yeah, again, I think he's my pick for MVP this season. And you look back to last season when he had a 90, pardon me, 892 save percentage, not an ideal for a guy coming off of a Vesna Trophy nominee. But now all of a sudden, He's worked his save percentage up to 907. And we talked about it all in the off season. If he can just work his way back to his career norms, it'll drastically help the Calgary flames. Well, he's at 907. His career mark is 909. So he's only two ticks off of that. His goals against average is actually better than his career mark right now. He's at a two six five this season. His career is 272. So those are just the raw numbers. Looking at his game compared to last season, just, putting the numbers aside and just focusing on watching him in the crease. He seems so much quieter this year. There was never a doubt in that game against Minnesota, which he had 2.42 goals saved above expected, expected according to money puck in that game. That's incredible for a single game, considering he's at 8.4 on the season. So over 25% just from that game alone. And that number, by the way, puts him at 11th best in the league. So just to give you some context on that number, but he looks so quiet in the net. He looks a lot bigger in the net and he's just really kind of... I don't even know if I want to say simplified his game because it's weird to say that in a goalie, but he just looks so much more calm, so much more poised, so much more ready to just, all right, well, you shoot whatever you want at me because I'm going to save it. And his high-danger save percentage screams that, which has gone up again, as we talked about. He's now in the 98th percentile, so he's in the top 2% of all goalies league-wide in his high-danger save percentage. He's just been phenomenal.
1: I just want to read this one text before we uh, hit the roundtable. Um says Markstrom's going to cost him a good pick in the draft and that's from somebody on hashtag team tank and yeah he might like that's the way he's playing right now and stole him two points last night I don't know if he stole them but he was very good and a big reason why they they won that game I still thought the Flames were the better team in, for the majority of that game so I wouldn't go stole I, but let's I, not get I don't want to get into Aaron Vickers semantics oh come on you know you'll go there that's because we're we gotta get to the round table. But how did Nashville stay in last year? Yeah, Luke Evangelista and Trennan and a couple of the other other young guys got opportunities after the deadline. But you see, Soros is the reason why the Predators stayed in the playoff race last year. A top end goalie, even after you trade away some established players, they can keep you competitive. So it might anger you. But that text that says Markstrom could cost him a good draft pick? The answer to your question is, yeah, he could. That's how good he's playing right now. Uh, We got to get to the Daily Flames roundtable. I apologize to Vickers. I just like to make fun of him. I'm not sad. Uh, Aaron Vickers is on Twitter or as semantics would say, on X. I would never call it that. You keep saying Twitter. Uh, Thank you. Uh, He's on uh, Twitter at AA Vickers, and we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com.
0: This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Now a Wednesday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. For popular colors, trims, and even wheel sizes, check out the best curated collection of certified pre-owned Mercedes-Benz online at Mercedes mercedesbenzcountryhills.ca. It's Steinberg, Aaron Vickers of NHL.com, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Wednesday Roundtable. Uh, gents... You can make it now four points in two games for Andrew Mangiapane since being moved back to a line with Blake Coleman and Michael Backlund. We talked on Tuesday's show about and, and focused more on the other half of that swap with Huberto being put with Sharon Govich and Lindholm. And, you know, that has worked out all right. But for Andrew Mangipani, I guess early on, Wilsey, you can say that's uh, worked out pretty well for number 88.
0: Absolutely, and uh, it kind of makes me wonder why they didn't try it a little bit sooner. I guess they knew they could always go down that road because it worked so well last season, and I know that they were shuffling some guys around to try to get uh, some of their top players going, like Jonathan Huberto, who uh, looks like he's going now that he's playing with Elias Lindholm and Yegor Sharangovich. It was great to see him pick up a point in a second straight game and, and snap an 18-game goal to streak last night but Andrew Aponte just looks so comfortable playing with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman and I think it goes beyond the fact that they've played a ton together I think it just allows him to be himself and the best version of himself and he looks less frustrated he looks like he's just trying to play his game and not trying to do too much when he's playing with Backlund and Coleman And he's kept it simple for the most part, Uh, going to the net as he did when he tipped that shot in, in in that big road win to start a four game road trip. And I don't know, those two guys just seem to compliment him so well. And I think he compliments them uh, as well. So it's been a good swap for the Flames, moving Hoover out of that line with Lindholm and Majapane to the line with Backland. I know it's a small sample size, uh, just two games, but I'd say so far so good on both fronts.
2: Yeah, small sample size this season. But as you mentioned, Wills, you can look back to last year and you don't have to go so far in the distant past to see how successful they were as a unit. Last year, they were the NHL's best line in expected goals, 4 percentage at 67.8. Among lines that played a minimum of 200 minutes together, there were some that were higher, admittedly, but they had smaller sample sizes. So when you look at the hole in the history of that trio of Backlund, Mangiapane, and Coleman, you're right to the degree in the sense of why wouldn't you go back to it sooner? countered by the point of, well, you know it's probably going to work when you go back to it, and I think it just came to a point where it wasn't working for Huberto on his line, it wasn't working for Mangiapane on his line, and yeah. I think the end result of the product is it's not even debatable at this point anymore that Backlund and Coleman bring out the best in Mangiapane's game.
1: Yeah, I, I think that he, he's just a really good fit there, and, you know, they when you have numbers like this, through going back to the 21-22 season when they were first kind of put together uh, in Coleman's first year as a member of the Flames. They've played over 800 minutes together at 5-on-5. So now we're talking about real sample sizes. Now we're talking about things that are just pure fact. Like, okay, four games and you're really good. That's a small sample size. 800 plus 5-on-5 minutes, this is just pure fact. They are almost a 64 percent possession line that's that's bonkers they are in terms of just goals that have gone in not even expected goals they are 40 to 19 uh at five on five their actual goals for is better than their expected goals for uh since 21 22 they're a little under 66 percent on their expected goals for they've exceeded that at a little under 68 percent like you're just like what, and, and they've done it all with about an even distribution of offensive and defensive starts, and they always play against tough opposition on the other side. There's just, you you are looking to maximize players, and you're always looking at the best way to um, put guys in in spots to succeed the most. And I understood why trying Manjapani with Lindholm was something you wanted to do. But I think you've got a pretty good idea that the very best place for Manjapani, who when he is slotted and put in the very best situation to succeed, can be a very, very helpful offensive contributor on your team. Maybe not to the tune of 35, but definitely to the tune of 20 plus it's with Backlund and Coleman. So at the very least, I think whether or not they juggle things up again, because coaches juggle things up all the time and even when you know you have a line that works, sometimes you split it apart to get a new look if things really go stale the rest of your team. But at the very least, I think you know now, and this is just more evidence to it, guys, I think you just know that where's Mangiapane best slotted? Where's, what's the, the best line that we can possibly con- construct involving number 88? It's with those two
0: guys. Well, and it's funny because uh, a week or two ago, we talked about uh, potentially breaking up the Kadri and the kids line. And at the time, that line was by far the Flames' best line, and that's why I didn't want to break it up. Now, there have been a couple of games in a row here where I would say they haven't been quite as effective, but it's been in a couple of games where you swapped your first and third line left wingers, and those two lines are playing better, which uh, has allowed you to, to play some pretty good hockey. So... It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens moving forward here on, on so many different fronts. But uh, as far as these line combinations go, right now I wouldn't touch it. I know that the cadre line hasn't been as impactful for the last couple of games, but uh, there's ups and downs for individual players and for lines and for pairings and for teams during the course of an 82-game regular season schedule. I think they've earned a pretty long leash, and with the way that uh, the Lindholm and Uh, backbone lines have been playing, I would leave the top nine intact uh, for the Flames as they get set for the second game of this really important four-game road trip. And some players can move up and down the lineup and can move uh, from one forward position to another and sometimes to another and be equally as impactful regardless of where they're playing or who they're playing with. But for me, Andrew Mangiapane, when he was elevated to the Flames' quote-unquote first line, Kind of got away from what has made him successful in his hockey career. And for me, that's hard work. Yes, you have to have a lot of God given ability to score 35 goals in the National Hockey League to to just get to the NHL. But some guys score easier than other guys. And for me, Mangiapani has never been a player who has scored easily. He doesn't often beat goaltenders with a shot from the perimeter. He's got to get to the net and tip pucks like he did last night or just fight for for every goal that he scores and as brad treleving said he's at his best but at the end of a shift is his helmet's on up upside down or sideways or backwards so he's got to get back to being that player and uh, he tried uh or at least looked like he tried to be more of a perimeter player when he was on that line with lynn and sharon govich and the last couple of games it's been back to work for manjrapani playing on a line with Backlund and coleman so i think just uh showing up and, and being ready to do the the difficult things to score goals, knowing that they're probably not going to come as easy for you as they do for some guys. I think that's helped him find some success and hopefully some confidence as well.
2: And I think that's a little bit the influence of Blake Coleman, whether it's a conscious effort or a subconscious effort, because if you're on one wing and you look over and you see Blake Coleman busting his ass the way that he does, and he's certainly found a lot of success scoring and and generating offense in, in his approach. If you've got a guy on the other side of the ice, You've got to match his intensity. You've got to match his drive. You've got to match his work ethic. And it goes back to your point, Willsie. Where did he score his goal from last night, Andrew Mangiapane? He was in and around the net. And that's where he's got to be to find success based on his skill set and what he does best. And it's all about maximizing what you do best. I feel like Mangiapane working that Coleman type game, getting to the front of the net is exactly the style he needs to play.
1: It is our Daily Flames roundtable, Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers, Pat Steinberg on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. Gents, I, I, I'll ask this question because I still think that there is, or not, still's the wrong word. I think there is a less vocal faction of Flames fans or segment of Flames fans that just wants to see their team do well and wants to see their team make the playoffs. And and I know that there is a very vocal team tank um, contingent out there, and I'm not poo pooing that. I think that we we talk plenty about you know the the option of being less competitive and what happens if you trade player X, Y, and Z, and maybe players A, B and C too. And um, the, the potential of getting a draft pick higher up and what you could do with other draft picks. We've talked lots about that, but I also think there is a a segment of flames fans. I, I see them less on the text line, but I also think it's a less vocal segment of flames fans that just wants to see their team play well and wants to see the team make the playoffs and, and is less invested in a rebuild or a retool or whatever the case may be. And none of you are wrong. There's no wrong answers. We all have different opinions of the best way that this team should go about their business. But, there are people who just want to see the team make the playoffs and enjoy playoff hockey, so on and so forth. And right now, the Flames are in the midst of a very difficult and crowded Western Conference playoff picture at the bottom of the playoff picture right now. So guys, regardless of what happens over the next number of weeks with Calgary's roster, what is their most realistic path to the playoffs and how difficult a path, is that going to be for them to travel
0: well for me pat that's almost two completely different questions because their path to the playoffs with the team that they currently have for me is a lot different than their path to the playoffs if they trade their number one centerman and their number one defense pairing so let
1: me just clarify before before it's it's more about like what is the Who's the team they need to chase down and how do they get in less? It's it's less about who's still on the roster, but like realistically, who do they have to target or who do they, who, what what is the way that they could actually do it regardless of who's helping them win or lose games is more the way I'm looking at it. Okay.
0: Uh, and, I, and I'm happy to answer the other question with a couple of different answers, but uh, to answer that question, for me, it's way less about, uh, you have the 31 teams in the league. It's way more about the flames. And I said this, after the flyers game uh, they need their top players to be their top players on a much more consistent basis between now and the end of the season than what they've had between the start of the season and and where we're at 37 38 games in and it's been great in the last couple of games to see jonathan huberdo their highest paid player start to produce andromajapani four points in the last two games their third highest-paid forward has started to produce. Jacob Markstrom is, again, looking like an elite goaltender. So a lot of their top players have kind of turned a corner. And again, small sample size. We'll see if they can uh, keep playing at a a higher level. But I I think a good step or or two steps in the right direction. uh, As far as this team is concerned, they've got to worry about being the best version of themselves. And, yes, the games against teams they're trying to catch – in the Western Conference wildcard race, those proverbial four-pointers are gonna be way more important than games against Central Division teams or games against Eastern Conference teams. You're gonna to have to win those games, unless the Central Division team is one of the teams you're trying to track down for a wild card spot, of course. But uh, those games, uh, the head-to-head games against teams like the one they played last night and uh, the one they're gonna to play tomorrow night, uh, those are gonna be huge for the Flames. and. I don't think they can focus on just trying to catch one team because they went into last night's game five points and five teams out of a playoff spot. And for me, making up the five points is a lot easier than jumping over five teams because let's say you're five points behind one team and you got a couple of head-to-heads against that team. Well, it's pretty easy to gain ground on them. But uh, if not, then you're hoping the out-of-town scoreboard goes your way and Well, the in-town scoreboard goes your way as well, which ultimately is going to be the most important thing for this Flames team. Their best players are going to have to be the best players on a very regular basis uh, between now and uh, whenever this uh, playoff race comes to an end, good or bad. And if that happens, then I think that they have enough talent to, to stay in the fight for a playoff spot. If it doesn't, I think it's going to be tough for them. To, as I said yesterday, overcome a 2-7-1 start to the season where they picked up, what, five of a possible 20 points in the first 10 games. Now, if you trade your number one centerman and two of your top three defensemen, it's going to be a lot more difficult. But with that said, what are you getting back? Are you getting all futures back or are you getting uh, some NHL-ready players back who can help you win hockey games right now? So it's hard to answer the question that way, Pat. But... You know, for me, it's all about the Flames and uh, them taking care of their business and, and hoping that uh, if they do that, they get some help elsewhere.
2: Yeah, it's not an enviable task because you're looking at seven or eight teams competing for two wild, spot, wild card spots, pardon me, and then maybe a divisional spot as well. So I'm just going to rip off something Pat said earlier in the hour where their path to the playoffs is similar to what allowed the Nashville Predators to fight so long after selling off. I don't know, four or five assets at last at year's four. deadline and top players on in their organization. It was UC Saros who had a 924 save percentage from March 1st onward, who really allowed the Nashville Predators to to gobble up points and stay in the fight, try to chase down the Winnipeg Jets. Unfortunately, they fell short, but their recipe for success was basically sort of similar to what you said, Willsie, with their best remaining players being their best players, whether it was Roman Yossi, whether it was UC Saros, and I would hang it quite a bit on Saros and that 924 save percentage. So sorry, Jacob Markstrom, but all the pressure's on you now yeah. to do, do something yeah. similar. And we've seen it since he's come back from a fractured finger sustained in practice earlier in December. It's just a matter of, Hey, we're going to need you to shoulder the load a little bit longer here.
1: Yeah. Um, 939 in the six games since uh, returning from the finger injury, four wins in those six starts he's been, and and that would be the number one thing because As as somebody texted in earlier, Wilsey, like Jacob Markstrom, somebody texted in, I I would imagine from hashtag team tank, um, who's very well represented on the text line and, and is not wrong in this conversation either, but says Markstrom's going to cost him a good uh, good pick in the draft. And I said, yeah, he very well could with the way he's playing. And and if he continues to play at or around the level that he's played, especially since coming back, um, and and if it maybe dips a little bit, bit and it, it kind of rounds out even to the way he's played all season, um, I, I think he absolutely could keep a team that has traded away guys for more future-looking assets and a team has taken a step back roster-wise. I think he can keep a team in a race and a whole lot more competitive than you'd think if he continues playing that way. He did it in Vancouver for multiple years. And so that is a big part of it. But the other big part of it is I think that they that there's, there's one team that I see more vulnerable than another team in this Western Conference race. I just, I don't think realistically tracking down LA, Vancouver, or Vegas is is really going to happen. As much as you can push back and say, well, if this happens and that happens, just realistically, I don't see that happening. So realistically, I think Arizona remains vulnerable. And for the Flames, they still have all their head-to-heads against Arizona left. So there's a little bit more of a realistic path in terms of how they could do it. The problem is... Edmonton's the hottest team in the NHL since the beginning of November, and many believe the Oilers are just going to be one of those wildcard teams. So that makes it a little bit difficult. They've only got one game left with Nashville. I don't think Seattle or St. Louis are completely going away either. So I think the most realistic path is to catch Arizona. I still think that's going to be a high degree of difficulty to do, but at the very least there's a realistic path or there is a path for it to happen.
0: Yeah. Uh, the coyotes are going to have to prove it. Uh, there have been a number of seasons where we think they're ready to take the next step and they disappoint. So we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. And just to kind of wrap up the conversation, maybe I need to get a definition from the president and chief executive officer of team tank. What exactly that means? Because I am not for tanking. There have been very few teams, very few examples of teams that have tried to be bad, that have gone out of their way to try to be bad, to get a a top five pick or the first overall pick that have spent years, decades, trying to rebuild their culture. And I think that Craig Conroy and the management group and Ryan Huska and the coaching staff have done an excellent job this season, not rebuilding the culture, but just changing it, making it a more positive workplace for the players. And you can see it on the ice, guys. There have been only a handful of games this season where the Flames' effort could be questioned. And they've been a fun team to watch. So you know what? If they trade away these pending UFAs and they're not as good organically and that leads to a higher draft pick, great. But for me, there is a huge difference between tanking and rebuilding or even retooling. There's a massive difference for me, but maybe, again, I just need to get a an updated definition on what tanking means. Yeah, okay, good luck with that. these fans, you want to go down that road. Good yeah. luck with that. I, I,
1: and the only reason I say that is because I think it's different for a lot of people, too. Like, I think yeah. there are um, some who trade everybody away to be bad or some who believe just by trading the UFAs will, will get the job done. And, again, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I don't think that you're wrong, Derek. I don't think somebody who disagrees with you vehemently is wrong either. I mean, it's kind of, everybody gets their own opinion in terms of the, the, the best way forward for this team to turn them into a, a, a better group long-term. It's just a fascinating conversation. Cause we're still waiting to see exactly how that's going to go.
0: It is. But for me, uh, I'm okay. If uh, they decide not to re-sign one, two or three of the big pending UFAs in Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. And, in turn decide to trade them, Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Uh, I hope that they can make some deals like the one they made with the Devils when they traded their leading goal scorer and point producer from last season and Tyler Toffoli to them for a really good young player and Yegor Sharangovich in a third-round pick. I like that deal. I like that deal more than the one they made with the Canucks for Nikita Zadorov for a couple of lottery tickets, but different situation, uh, different time. And uh, that might have been addition by subtraction uh, with some of the things we've heard about uh, what was going on in that dressing room. But, you know, if if they decide to to retool or or even rebuild, I think there's a way to do that without trying to be bad and tanking. So we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, it's going to be an interesting next uh, six weeks or so, that's for sure.
1: Uh, thank you, Wilsey. We will uh, talk to you on Thursday. Okay, looking forward to it. He is Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk and wrap us up on the roundtable. Yes, sir. Oh, nothing oh, specific. Oh, you, you, I thought you put your hand up to say you wanted to say something.
2: I uh, Just how much I appreciate being in your presence.
1: Well, that's a good way to wrap things up. Uh, And uh, thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers this hour. The Daily Flames Roundtable wraps us up on the hour of Flames Talk, and it's brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. For popular colors, trims, and even wheel sizes, check out the best curated collection of certified, pre-owned Mercedes-Benz online at mercedesbenzcountryhills.ca.